0: You are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of If you would like to discuss today's reading, head on over to Facebook and join the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, and there you'll be able to interact with other readers and followers and share your own insights and reflections about today's reading. Now let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria teaches us how to pray and meditate, Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir aflame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 177. We are reading from Volume 2, Book 4, chapter 27. Paragraphs 672 to 680. Chapter 27. Herod resolves to murder the innocents. Most Holy Mary is aware of this. St. John is concealed by his relatives. 672. We will now leave the infant Jesus, Most Holy Mary, and Joseph in the work of sanctifying Egypt by their beneficent presence, and return to Judea, which was unworthy of it. Thus we will understand the course of the devilish cunning and hypocrisy of Herod, that the wicked king was waiting for the message of the Magi concerning the newly born king of the Jews, ready to devote him to an inhuman death. He trusted for a while to his own cunning, until his anxiety caused him to inquire. But when he was informed of their stay in Bethlehem, their departure, their escape from Palestine on a different route, and of other happenings in the temple, He awoke to the fact that he had been foiled in his purpose. He consulted anew some of the experts of the law, and as their interpretation of the scriptures concerning Bethlehem and the happenings at Bethlehem coincided with his suspicions. He ordered a strict search to be made for our queen and her child and the glorious St. Joseph. But the Lord, who had commanded their flight from Jerusalem in the night, also concealed them on their journey, so that there was none that knew anything of it, or that could discover a trace of their flight. Not being able to find them, and no one having any knowledge of them, the henchmen of Herod brought back the answer that no such man, woman, or child could be found in the whole country. 673. This inflamed the fury of Herod, Matthew 2.16, and increased his anxiety. In vain he sought some means to prevent the evil threatening him from a rival king, But the devil, who knew him to be ready for any wickedness, stirred up in his heart the enormous thought of using his royal power to murder all the children under two years of age around Bethlehem. For in that way the king of the Jews recently born there would inevitably be murdered among them. The tyrant was highly satisfied with this scheme, which never yet had been thought of by any, even the greatest barbarian. And he set about its execution without any of the aversion of horror that it was apt to excite in other rational beings. Having studied out his wrathful plans to satisfaction, he ordered some troops to be gathered in that region and privately instructed some of the more intimate of his officers under severe penalties to kill all the children under two years in Bethlehem and its vicinity. The command of Herod was executed and the whole country was filled with confusion and wailing and with the tears of the parents and of the other relations of the innocent victims, who were thus doomed without any possibility of resistance or prevention. 6.74 This command of Herod was issued six months after the birth of the Savior. When it began to be executed, the great queen happened to hold her divine son in her arms, lost in contemplation of his holy soul. Looking into it, as into a clear mirror, she saw all that passed in Bethlehem more clearly than if she herself had been present to hear the wailing of the children and the parents. She saw also how her son prayed to his eternal father for the parents and these innocents, that he offered up the murdered children as the first fruits of his own death, asking him also that they receive the use of reason in order that they might be a willing sacrifice for their Redeemer and accept their death for his glory." Thus he would be able to reward them with all the crowns of martyrdom for what they suffered. All this the Eternal Father granted, and as it was made known to the queen and her only begotten son, she joined him in his prayers and sacrifices. She also pitied the parents of the martyred infants in their heart-rending tears and sorrows for their sons. She indeed was the first and true Rachel, weeping for the children in Bethlehem, Jeremiah 31.15 And there was no mother who sorrowed for them as she did, since no one could be such a mother as she was to them. 6.75 She did not know at the time what St. Elizabeth had done in order to safeguard her son John, pursuant to the warning of the angels sent to her by the queen herself. She narrated in the 22nd chapter, Although she had no doubt as to the fulfillment of all the mysteries known to her concerning the precursor by divine enlightenment, yet she was uncertain of the troubles and anxieties caused to St. Elizabeth and her son, and of the manner in which they had forestalled the cruelty of Herod. The sweetest mother did not presume to ask her divine son concerning this event, on account of the prudence and reverence always observed by her in regard to such revelations. For in her humility and patience, she counted herself as unworthy and as dust in the sight of the Lord. But the Almighty took notice of her pious and compassionate desires and informed her that Zachary, the father of St. John, had died four months after the virginal parturition and about three months after she had left Jerusalem. The widowed St. Elizabeth now had no other company than that of her son John, with whom she was passing the days of her widowhood in a retired and secluded place. For on account of the warning of the angel and knowing of the cruel disposition of Herod, she had resolved to flee to the desert with her child and live there in the company of wild beasts, rather than within the dangerous reach of Herod. This resolve she had taken with the approbation of the Most High and guided by his impulse. She was now hidden in a cave, or cleft of the rock, where, with great hardship and difficulty, she obtained sustenance for herself and her son." 6.76. The Heavenly Lady also knew that St. Elizabeth, after three years of this solitary life, died in the Lord, that St. John remained in the desert, commencing to live an angelic life, that he was not to leave his solitude until he should be commanded by the Almighty to preach penance as his precursor. These sacraments and mysteries the infant Jesus manifested to his Most Holy Mother, with many other hidden and profound blessings, conferred upon St. Elizabeth and her son, in that desert. All this she perceived in the same way as she now perceived the death of the innocent children. It filled her with joy and compassion, the one because she saw Saint John and his mother in safety, the other on account of the hardships to which they were exposed in the desert. She immediately asked of her Most Holy Son permission to take care thenceforward of Elizabeth and her son. From that time on, she frequently sent her holy angels to visit them with the consent of the Lord And through them also, she sent them provisions, which afforded them better sustenance than they could find in the wild abode. Through these angelic messengers, the Holy Lady kept up a continual intercourse with her relatives during her stay in Egypt. When the last hour of Elizabeth arrived, Mary sent her a great number of angels to assist her and her child, who was then four years old. These angels also helped St. John to bury his mother in the desert. Thereupon the queen sent him every day his sustenance, until he was of sufficient age to provide for his living by his own labors and exertions, in gathering herbs, roots, and woodland honey. Mark one six. Of these thenceforward he lived in admirable abstinence, as I shall relate farther on. 6.77 Neither the tongue of creatures can describe nor intellect comprehend the vast merits and increase of sanctity, accumulating the Most Holy Mary, through these continued and wonderful works. For in all things she acted with a prudence more than angelic. What moved her to the greatest admiration, love, and praise of the Almighty was to see how, at the intercession of herself and her Son, for the holy innocence, His providence showed itself so liberal toward them. She knew, as if she were present, the great number of children that were killed, and that all of them, though some of them were eight days, two, or six months old, and none of them, over two years, had the use of their reason, that they all received a high knowledge of the being of God, perfect love, faith, and hope, in which they performed heroic acts of faith, worship, and love of God, reverence, and compassion for their parents. They prayed for their parents, and in reward for their sufferings obtained from them light and grace, for advance in spiritual things. They willingly submitted to martyrdom in spite of the tenderness of their age, which made their sufferings so much the greater, and consequently augmented their merits. A multitude of angels assisted them, and bore them to limbo, or to the bosom of Abraham. By their arrival they rejoiced, the holy ancients, and confirmed them in the hope of speedy liberation. All these were effects of the prayers of the divine child and his mother. Aware of all these wonders, she was inflamed with ardor and exclaimed, Praise the Lord, ye children, and joined with them in the praise of the author of these magnificent works, so worthy of his goodness and omnipotence. Mary alone knew of them and appreciated them properly, and she so closely allied to God himself perfectly reached the degree of humility required for such appreciation. For though she was the mother of innocence, purity, and sanctity, she humiliated herself more than all other creatures with all their faults, will ever know how to humiliate themselves. Among all creatures, Most Holy Mary reached a degree of humility peculiar to herself, which fully equaled the high blessings and gifts received by all other creatures. For she alone comprehended fully how insufficient is the return the creature can make for all the blessings flowing from the boundless love of God. Knowing that without this humility no active creature can be worthy of a God, she reached the height of all perfection, by making all her acts serve as a grateful return for benefits received. 678. At the end of this chapter, I wish to draw attention to the fact that in many things which I am describing, a great diversity of opinion exists among the Holy Fathers and writers. As, for instance, in regard to the time of the slaughter of the innocent children, or whether also the newborn children or those that were only a few days old were included in the slaughter, or concerning other doubtful points about which I will not speak, since they are not necessary to my purpose. I write only what is being shown or dictated to me, or about which obedience forces me to ask, in order that this history may be more clear. It will not do to start a dispute concerning what I write. For from the beginning I said that the Lord wishes this whole work to be free from mere opinion, and to contain nothing but what is taught me by the divine light to decide whether that which I write is in harmony with the truth of the Holy Scriptures, or befits the majesty and grandeur of my subject, or whether the events narrated bear the necessary sequence or connection. All this I leave to the learning of my teachers and superiors, and to the judgment of the wise and pious. Variety of opinion is, as it were, inevitable among the writers on these subjects. Since they are guided by different authors and are each following those of the ancient authors that satisfy them best. Yet more than a few of the old authors, if we accept the events related in the canonical writings, relied only on conjecture or or on doubtful sources, I, as an ignorant woman, cannot enter upon such discussions. Instruction vouchsafed by the Queen of Heaven, Most Holy Mary, 679. My daughter... In what thou hast written, I wish that thou learn a lesson from the very sorrow and apprehension with which thou hast performed this task. Well founded is thy sorrow to see how such a noble creature as man, made according to the likeness and image of the Lord, endowed with such divine qualities, and gifted with the power of knowing, loving, seeing, and enjoying God eternally, should allow himself to be degraded and defiled by such brutal and abominable passions." as to shed the innocent blood of those who can do no harm to anyone. This should induce thee to weep over the ruin of so many souls, especially in the times in which thou livest, when that same ambition which incited Herod has kindled such great hatred and enmity among the children of the church, occasionally the ruin of countless souls and causing the waste and loss of the blood of my Most Holy Son poured out for the salvation of men do thou bitterly deplore this loss. 6.80 But likewise be warned by what thou hast seen in others. Ponder the effects of passions admitted into the heart. For if once they have mastered the heart, they will either smother it in lust when it finds success, or consume it with wrath at meeting any opposition. Fear thou, my daughter, this danger, not only on account of the results thou seest of ambition in Herod, but also on account of what thou seest going on every hour in other persons. Be very careful not to allow thyself to be mastered by anything, be it ever so small, for in order to start a great conflagration the smallest spark is sufficient. I have often repeated to thee this same warning, and I shall continue to do so more often in the future, for the greatest difficulty in practicing virtue consists in dying to all that is pleasurable to the senses." Thou canst not be a fit instrument in the hands of the Lord, such as he desires thee to be, if thou dost not cleanse thy faculties even of the images of all creatures, so that they do not find entrance into thy desires. I wish it to be to thee an an inexorable law, that all things except God, his angels and saints, be to thee as if they did not exist." These should be thy sole possession. On this account, the Lord has opened to thee his secrets, honors thee with his familiarity and intimacy. And for this purpose also do I honor thee with mine, that thou neither live nor wish to live without the Lord. This concludes our reading today for day number 177. We have been reading from volume 2, book 4, chapter 27, paragraphs 672 to 680. I can't even imagine the state of a country where Herod slaughters all of the infants. We hear the command of Herod was executed and the whole country was filled with confusion and wailing and with the tears of the parents and of the other relations of the innocent victims. I couldn't even imagine the evil that this was. And then to See how it impacts all of these families, all because Herod loves himself too much. It kind of reminds you of the story of the Exodus and the story of Passover, how the doors marked with the blood of the lamb that the angel of death would pass over that home. Oh, how we wish that these children would have been saved from death. We also hear that Zachary, the father of St. John, died four months after her virginal parturition. So Zachary dies, but we don't hear the facts of Zachary's death. Now, I remember when I was in the Holy Land that we were told that basically the tradition was that many of the priests after the birth of Jesus who were in the temple, remember Zachariah is a priest in the temple. That's where he was struck mute That they were murdered and that they sought after them because of all of these events that were also taking place. And then Elizabeth goes into the desert and there she is with John. And what a great interesting thing we heard. That the angels would bring them food from Our Lady. That they would be able to converse. And then we hear Elizabeth dies when John is only four years of age. There's no one to care for John then. So, so John is able to continue living because Mary is sending the angel. The angel is bringing sustenance. And then the child continues to grow up, John the Baptist. And we hear about John the Baptist, you know, eating honey and locusts, which are bugs eating these things in the desert and it kind of makes sense now, doesn't it? That he had to fend for himself, that he had to find his own food. He probably joined a community, uh, found a community of people that also would look after him as well and that would be where he was formed in really the great Jewish tradition that he came to know and wanted to hand on to others. Also today we hear a little bit more about Maria Vagarda's writing of the mystical city of God. She says, I write only what is being shown or dictated to me or about which obedience forces me to ask in order that this history may be more clear. So God is showing her these things. She's hearing these things. So it just gives us a greater sense of how this book really came to be. It's really the fruit of her own prayer. That's one thing. And then, Uh, Just all of the ways in which uh, uh, God showed her these stories. And again, go back to just the other day. And I said, well, how is it that she wouldn't know about this fountain that was honored and venerated or whatever? Well, God revealed that to her. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical City of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow.